From Frontier's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jamal. And this is the Vine Bear Podcast. All right, guys, it's Friday. It's Friday. We're back. And the team is back together. (laughs) Uh You know, Joanna, you tried to leave on Monday. You tried to not be here. Mm -hmm. You tried to head to Canada. I know you're doing it. Yeah, good thing everyone knows where I was and exactly why I was there. I know. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. The the good news (laughs) is Canada is like the second largest country on earth by landmass. So I don't think, I think they had to, they would have had a hard time narrowing it down. Yeah. Yeah. I just think she's trying to leave the U.S. It's fine. It's fine. fine. I'm just trying to leave Vine Paris. All good. Um, But we're glad you're back. Thanks for coming back. I'm glad you're back too, Adam. (laughs) Um, And yeah. Hey, Zach. Hi. I'm always here. (laughs) Just never go anywhere. So. What's ever, what's everyone been up to since I've been gone? I mean, I just feel like I, I need to know, you know, Joanna, how have you, how have you been? Zach, how have you been? I mean, I already heard what Zach's been drinking, but. Um, that's true. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's everyone, like, any any cool new things you've discovered? Well, yes, actually. experiences? I'm going to jump in here. So Go. in the in the very brief period of time that I was in Canada this past weekend, um, or whatever, last weekend. Um, yeah. Whenever you think I was there, listener. it was last weekend. Um, <laughs> I did pick up some Canadian whiskey based okay. on some of the emails that we got from some of our listeners. Um, I, I learned about this one from Charlene Rook, who's the drinks editor at LCBO Food and Drink Magazine. But I got some Barefaced Triple Oak Seven Year Canadian Whiskey. Um, so I will, I guess I'll talk more about that on, on Monday, but yeah, yeah, so I was, you know, just trying to, trying to do some more research while there, um, cool. based on people emailing, had some questionable hard seltzer while I was there as well. <laughs> but what made it questionable? It was not good. Uh, <laughs> was it okay, this was a pe- The flavor was peach Cosmo. That's weird. Oof. They're just trying Oof. too hard. I think at that point. Right. Yeah. We're definitely in the trying too hard phase of hard seltzer at the moment. Yeah, agree, agree. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what I've been up to. Lovely, mm-hmm. Zach. Any new development? I think, <laughs> I think the only exciting thing for me recently uh, has been <laughs> my wife and I. Well, basically, it's not a fun development in a sense. Our refrigerator died, um, and so mm. we had to. Uh, we're in the process of getting a new one. Uh, fortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to be too painful, but you know, getting a new appliance is never a fun uh, project. But in doing so, there was, of course, the requisite clearing out of the fridge. Um, and in clearing out the fridge, there was definitely some digging out of mm-hmm. some beers that had been stuck in the back mm. of said fridge. And uh, I actually, apropos of what we've been talking about on the podcast lately, I dug out, it turns out I had a fresh hot beer from last year in there, um, <laughs> which I which I pulled out and was like, well, I'm going to have to try this because, you know, the whole point of them is that they're good fresh. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say who it was by because it is really not anyone's fault. Like I, I stuck it back there and forgot about mm-hmm. it. So it's not like it's their fault that the beer wasn't very good. But it's true that the appeal of the beer is kind of lost when you um, accidentally age it for a year. So don't do that, people. <laughs> Drink your fresh hot beers when you get them. It does die. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I mean, it's just it just didn't have that much going on. It wasn't like bad. bad it just yeah. was uninteresting. But and therefore, why bother? Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, I mean, besides obviously being back from vacation and the summer being over and things like that, I've been trying as best I can to get back into like fall sports. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought it might be fun to have a conversation today about the fall sports tradition in general, specifically by that I mean football mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and all of the fun 
drinks that go along with it. Um, so I'm from the South, uh, obviously, and <laughs> I grew up in a college town. And for me, actually, the drink that everyone always seemed to consume at football games was not beer. I think most people would think it would be beer. Mm -hmm. uh, but being – I think I had a very unique experience because being in a college town, everyone would drink some beer in the at the tailgates for sure, right? Like there's definitely – something to that, right? Like just tailgating, barbecuing, grilling out, whatever you want to call it, and having some light beer. But because alcohol wasn't allowed and still isn't allowed in the stadium, there was a lot more consumption of hard liquor sure. than I think is the norm maybe, let's say, at pro football tailgates. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, what always seemed to be like the normal – drink was always whiskey and coke interesting oh. and i think that was also the case because that was also the easiest thing to sneak into the stadium huh and like so a flask or whatever minis oh okay okay so if you would if you go into the bathroom of any sec <laughs> football stadium you will see minis in every empty minis in every single stall <laughs> And basically wow. what's happening is people will get there. And I think it's because you're, you always knew that soda, you always know sodas for sale, right? True. So people will get their large soda and they will then go to the bathroom with it and dump like three minis into the soda and then go back into the stands. I mean, you can smell the booze all over <laughs> the stadium, but it's this like sort of like, you know, unspoken secret Right. That yeah. that's what everyone's doing. And so that really for me was like, that's what you drank at college football games was whiskey uh -huh. and Coke. That and just I think seems it, disastrous to me. Well, Joanna, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is very disastrous. And I think, you know, we talked about this a long time ago on the podcast before, but I think that's one of the biggest problems that college sports has is that like if, you know, because it's illegal and the consumption is illegal in the stadium and not sold, I think they actually – you know, they're not doing – they're not actually – it's the same idea of, you know, why we should legalize cannabis and things like that, right? right? You're not preventing the problem. You're actually potentially making it worse. Yeah. Because well, and you're incentivizing are, like binging as opposed to like – Exactly. You know, if you, if you only – if the way, main way you get alcohol in a stadium as it is at like an NFL game or other sporting events is by going to the concessions area, people are in, inherently probably going to drink less both because like that's time you're not in the seat and presumably you do care about the football game happening or whatever – and, you know, you can have someone who's, a, you know, theoretically at least able to detect if someone is, you know, right. past the point of uh, where they should be served, as opposed to, you know, a probably not very thorough inspection of their belongings <laughs> as they enter a game. And people, yeah, you know, dumping three or four uh, minis into a soda and drinking it, you know, kind of, you know, chugging it down. Like, yeah, I think that there's no doubt that that leads to worse outcomes and worse behavior. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just... It is the the definite sort of part of the culture in in lots of college sports, but so yeah. So for me, that's a quintessential sporting drink. Now I drink lots of different things when I watch the games, but I feel like for me, if if you were to have asked me a long time ago, like what is the drink of choice amongst most people that you know, it would always be whiskey and Coke when it mm -hmm. comes to college football. 
But I'm curious, when, what about for you? Well, Adam, actually, wait, I want to ask you a tailgating question yeah. first, and then and then I think I want yeah. maybe Joanna and I can share our thoughts. So because you grew up around tailgating, yeah. you know, kind of as a weekly, I mean, maybe, you, I don't know if you guys tailgated weekly or, Hell, if, or yeah, you know, we every did. week there was a home game. <laughs> no, so the questions I have, are, the question I have for you is twofold. One is like, were you, was tailgating a thing that was like, like, when did it start? Before, like, how much before the game starts did it, did people, did you show up or did people show up? Is it like a an all day thing or is it like, you know, a two hour kind of deal? Thursday. <laughs> okay. Okay. Really? Yeah. I mean, most go. people will start tailgating for big games in college towns on Thursday. So like the big for like, those who don't listen, the games are played on Saturday. Yeah, generally. <laughs> so like the the big the the people who have the RVs who are huge college football fans. I mean, this is the SEC, the only conference that matters. But um, the the people who have the RVs, they're coming into town on Wednesdays or Thursdays, and so okay. like you would see them start to sort of tailgate on Thursday nights, mm-hmm. and then you know have people parties, et cetera. Then Friday is like a pretty tame day but that that's when people who drove them with their cars would start setting up their tents and things like that and then like you if you hadn't come in by then you didn't have a good spot wow you know so a lot of look a lot of this has changed because it's actually um it's a company that that started at auburn actually um and i think it's called yeah it's called the tailgate guys. Um, <laughs> and they started out of Auburn and now they're owned by a company called rebel XP. They, they're bought by private equity and they now do turnkey tailgating at like basically all the top universities wow. in the country. And so, smart. so now it's, it's really smart business. These guys made are multi, yeah. multi, multi-millionaires now. Um, but so now it's like, they, like when I was a kid, even like in high school, we would tailgate. Right. And, Sure. You would have to get there very early to get your spot. And so what would you do? You would drive with your family there to the stadium? You mean like what would I do or what would Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I wasn't tailgate with my parents. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean when you were in high school Mom, you were Dad like are taking trying to, to tailgate around somewhere else where you know, maybe you might kind of, if you're in high school, look like you could be a college student. And so uh-huh. therefore yeah. that drink in your hand was not as big of a deal. Um, but, uh, no, so what, what people would do is like someone would like go and claim the spot and you, know, Joanna, you, this would be familiar to like, you know, in, in prospect park, when you see the families who are like, they rope yeah. off an area for like some party and there's a like picnic one, later in the day. Like yeah. there's like an uncle sitting in the, there at like <laughs> six in the morning, like who's been assigned by the family to like read the book and like claim the spot <laughs> yeah. all morning. That's yeah. exactly what happens. So like okay. people go all over campus and they will like rope off areas with tape or whatever and they'll start setting up. Now, if you huh. you're more like you're less likely to get your spot challenged if you're like cooking something, right? Or you're you're okay. barbecuing or whatever. The the people that get kind of like harassed are people who are just kind of like sitting there reading a book. They're like you guys aren't using the space, yada yada yada. And then you have all these people like, we've been tailgating here for twenty years. And I mean, it's just it's kind of, that happened to me when I was a uh, you know like the first year I had my car and we were like gonna tailgate as like high school kids and we went to claim a spot like the Thursday before because we lived in town, so we thought that it was like you know, this is our town. We're just going to claim this spot. 
And sure. when we showed up like Saturday morning, there was these people that were, you know, alums from 30 years ago and they were <laughs> pissed that we were in their spot that they've been tailgating in for 25 years. And, you know, we're stupid kids. So we were like, you can't tell us what to do. <laughs> didn't, oh, no. didn't end well. Um, <laughs> but now there's this thing, the tailgate guys. And so th- you're now paying. And like these, these tailgates, what's amazing about them is they come with bartenders. Wow. wow. You could pay for like a full package with like a bartender, full catering, like all this stuff. They've changed the game. Um, and so now you see this a lot. Like when I went to the Penn State-Auburn game last year in Penn State, they do all the Penn State tailgating too. And so like, you know, alumni organizations, companies, et cetera, will have these huge oh. tents that are run by this company that's wow. fully – that's doing everything. So you wow. don't need a space then. You just need to be there and you right, can Right, because they claimed it for tents. you, right? And Got they probably – and I think, you know, it's smart, right? They're probably prearranging with every university to have a sp- – you know, to have a whole area that's that's designated for them and their clients. So the university is getting a kickback. Yeah. Yeah. And – then there's no challenge. Like at Auburn, it's the huge area right outside the stadium around the like the eagle habitat because one of the mascots what? of Auburn is an eagle, is war eagle, <laughs> and there's a huge eagle habitat. And so, you know, because Auburn has like one of the best, I don't know, endangered wildlife bird centers in the country, whatever. Wow. So you they're all around there, which is where people want to be. And now you're like, you're guaranteed. So those people probably aren't showing up until, you know, six or seven hours before the game, but they're, you're showing up very, 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 like if, if your kickoff is noon, you are at your tailgate at six. Wow. Joanna, have you ever been to a football tailgate? No, I was just going to, I was just thinking about this. Like, I don't think I've ever even just growing up going to an NFL game or anything with my family, like didn't do a tailgate. I don't know. It's it just like wasn't something we ever really participated in. It wasn't a tradition that my parents did, um, and we weren't really big in professional sports um, and going to games and stuff. So I, I, yeah, I just totally missed it, and then didn't go to a school that really <laughs> did the college sports thing either. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that describes all of us. Yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't go to a, an undergrad that did the college sports thing, but I just happened to grow up in one. Right. Yeah. Um, it, but it is. It's like I think. So much drinking culture comes out of this yes, stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so obviously there's like the whiskey and Cokes, but I think, you know, you you can see the trends. Like when I'll go back, you'll see, you know, the seltzer craze. There's like, I mean, everywhere you go now, basically there's high noons everywhere and white claws everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's people, you know, at these fully stocked bars at the tailgate, guys, people are drinking champagne and wine because they can. Yeah. You know, I think that that was probably something that didn't happen as much. But now with people looking for a higher end experience, Right. You're finding this, you know, in the same way. And I think, you know, this is where like the a lot of drinking games, flip cup, uh, beer pong, everyone's like set set up and, and playing mm-hmm. uh, is just part of the culture. And like, you know, there are universities where like the tailgating experience is way more famous than the team. I mean, I'm sorry yeah. if you're like an Ole Miss That's person so out funny. there, but your team's not that great. Maybe sort of this year. It's maybe. But like the Grove is world famous. You know, people all want to go to Oxford, Mississippi just to experience the Grove once. Um, Well, and Adam, I think you make a point. I would say it's not even just that the drinks culture things emerge out of tailgating culture. But for a not insignificant set of people in this country, the college football tailgate is their introduction to drinking culture, period. Like for a lot of people – 
whether it's whether it's at you know in an early stage like you growing up in a college town but i think for a lot more people you know their college is a time when people a lot of people are exposed to drinking and if you go to a school as as there are many across the country where where the college football tailgate is a big part of the college experience even if you don't give a shit about football even if you don't go to the game the the pregame tailgate that whole vibe is is such an indoctrination into american drinking culture and it, like it's something that I've only really experienced secondhand. I mean, I like you guys went to a school that did not have a college football team at all in my case. And I grew up, you know, in Seattle where there obviously is a college football team and a big tailgating culture, but I, we never were, you know, I went to a few university of Washington games growing up, but you know, I went to one tailgate. Uh, I've been to one <laughs> as an adult and uh, it was fine, you know, drank beer and like ate, you know, I don't know, barbecue or whatever. It was fine. And, and I've been to one Seahawks tailgate, which was a little more fun, but but also like at that point had already moved into this kind of like borderline sort of sterile, like very controlled environment. Like, you know, the the when I was a kid, you know, I've heard about kind of how in the NFL, it used to be more of a free-for-all, and just because of the money at stake, those things have become much more regulated um, if they're even allowed. I think there are probably some stadiums now where you can't even really tailgate properly, from what I understand. Um, but, but for and in college student, I think, yeah, that, the tailgate, if you go to that kind of school, is, is a huge part of how you learn about a, a, a significant way that America drinks. Yeah, and also, like Adam said, too, like if you're from a place where even if you don't go to that school, it's a really big presence in your town. Like I had a friend yeah. who I went to school with. She was from Columbus, Ohio, and OSU was like such a big part of her growing up and like going to those games and like town pride, even though she didn't go to that school. Yeah. I mean, and look, depending on where you live too, like it's like what you wear. I mean, in yeah, in the South, people dress up. They wear like very nice clothes, jackets and ties, and people take dates to tailgate. Like, hey, you want to go huh. – like do you want to go tailgating with me? And it's like a date. And wow. it's like a big <laughs> – it's, it's like the Saturday happening. It's like it's, – yeah. yeah. And yeah, and, and depending on – who you're with or what you're doing. Like there's lots of different kinds of drinks. And I think it is a way that a lot of people learn. And now that there are these companies like the tailgate guys, there's a lot more cocktails. You definitely see a lot more cocktails and a lot more wine. And I think that is, you know, spilling out from people having that experience at home where at home now, when they're watching the games, they might be drinking cocktails or having, you know, really nice wine, et cetera. They're not just drinking, like light beer, which is mm-hmm. what I think we assume based on just sports. Like, oh, you know, beer's own sports for so long, and we've had this conversation as well. But because like all of it now is about sort of an entertaining experience, it's a mm-hmm. you know, it's it's an excuse to entertain and get together. The, the the sport obviously is something that there's a large portion of the people attending that they care deeply about, but there's just as many Zach as you said who don't really care. They don't even go into the game. Yeah, you know, I have I have a question about this actually that that this just prompted this conversation yeah. about about like the tailgate guys and stuff like that. Do you think that between maybe the rise of companies like that and just sort of what's happening broadly, are are tailgates at different college football stadiums say as distinctive as they used to be? Like. I wonder if there's a little more homogeneity in terms of what people are actually drinking. Like, I mean, maybe even across the country, if not regionally, like I have no, I have no frame of reference. Like, I don't know, maybe it's always been as homogenous, but you kind of envision, I kind of envision a tailgate at, you know, as Joanna was mentioning at, you know, Ohio state being different than a tailgate at Auburn being different than a tailgate at UCLA. 
and to some extent, I'm sure they are. But I wonder if some of those differences have been smoothed over by just a variety of things. Like if you would be harder to tell where you are at a tailgate without, you know, just by looking at what people are drinking. So I will say having just done this at Penn State, uh huh, they're very different still based okay. on the regions and sort of like – so for example, at Penn State, right, it's everyone tailgates in parking lots because whether whether the southern you know universities are are correct or not they let you tailgate anywhere on their campus for the most part some places have started passing regulations right you can't do it on the like you know the historic quad or whatever but in a lot of the bigger big 10 schools it's relegated to these larger lots which feels a lot more like pro style now it still seems to start pretty early in the morning but you know, when I was walking around campus, I didn't have the same feeling as I did when you walk around campus at Auburn and it's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. The other thing I will say is it did feel regional in the things people were drinking. Like I didn't see a lot of whiskey and Cokes in uh, bourbon and Coke, let's be clear, it, at Penn State. I saw a lot more like high noon, like a mm-hmm. lot more high noon, a lot more seltzer. Um, I saw vodka a little bit, but like you know, I think that's just a regional thing too. Like bourbon's always been a Southern thing. And so sure. like, you know, mm. people are going to drink bourbon. Um, so that I felt think was regional. And then the dress. I mean, I do think it was really interesting to me, you know, when I first went to like a big 10 uh, football game, actually to see that you know people are much more likely at those games to wear like jerseys and t-shirts, whatever. And in the South people dress up. It's yeah. really crazy. And like, I don't know why that is. I don't know how that started. It's, you know, it's probably, you know, something from, from way, way, way back. But that also is, it sort of has a different feel to it. But then, yes, there was, like, we went down to the tailgate boys area. And it definitely, you could have been anywhere. Yeah. It was just a really nice tailgate. I yeah. did go to a school in the South for two years. Um, and they did have a, a tradition before football games of roasting a pig. Um, and it was called pig roast and it happened on Saturdays and I hated it and, and really didn't like to go because it was also like a lot of day drinking and people were dressed up and yeah, yeah all those horrible things apparently. Joanna. Yeah, I don't like, I'm really bad at day drinking. Oh, I'm bad um, at day drinking too. Yeah. So I was yes. not bad at it when I was in college. No. <laughs> I was better at it then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yes, definitely this tradition of like getting dressed up and everybody was in dresses and suits and jackets and it was just ridiculous. <laughs> Did you ever try the pig though? Was it good? Yeah, the pig, w- pig was good. <laughs> I have to imagine that like that was awesome. Yeah. Like that was probably You'd very tasty. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean like I think the tradition of tailgating though, I feel like – I mean I've never been to any of these places. But it feels like the only places in the pros that are – that maybe have tailgating traditions that are taken as seriously. Don't come after me, Eagles fans. Like, please don't. (laughs) But like that are taken as seriously as college are the pro teams in smaller markets like Buffalo, Green Bay, et cetera, where like, again, it's kind of a happening of the whole town. I mean, look, and I'm only saying that about Buffalo because they they jump on folding tables. Yeah, there's there's a whole – like a whole amateur wrestling show that comes along with tailgating. Yeah. Really? But but yes. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's you know, whereas in the bigger cities, the tailgating is really only happening around the parking in the parking lot around the stadium, and you don't feel it in the rest of the like. I mean, I I used to joke like you can walk around New York City and have no clue that the Giants or the Jets are playing. Like, you would have no clue. 
Mm-hmm. Well, for one, because they're playing in New Jersey, but yeah. also sure. <laughs> like in Philly, though, like you know, because you have people from everywhere, they don't really care. I mean, in Philly, yeah. I guess you know that the that the Eagles are playing, but still, like you're not. There's not like this tailgate atmosphere. Whereas I kind of get this sense that, like in Green Bay or in Buffalo, et cetera, like probably in Cincinnati, like it really feels like the whole, this is what's happening in the entire town mm-hmm. right yeah. now. Um, and those places apparently do have like a richer tailgating tradition. Um, yeah. That people really get up for and get really into and have specific dishes they make and specific drinks that they make. Well, yeah, you have to have that sort of this is the big event of the yeah. week for the entire community vibe. And yeah. that's maybe easier to capture in a college town than in a city. But even in, as you said, in some of the smaller cities that make up the NFL, it's totally believable that, you know, yeah, Buffalo or Green Bay would. I mean, I know Green Bay like almost literally does shut down for Packer home games like it's it's just a different vibe that you could never recreate in a big in a bigger city because yeah there's going to be so many people who just like don't care you know they don't even realize you know they're unmoved by the whole thing and so you're never going to have that same kind of everyone is doing the same thing kind of uh experience but i also feel like those those smaller cities that have these robust like professional tailgating um events also had robust college ones too but there's not like a big college. I mean, like the whatever University of Buffalo, I don't think is like a big. Maybe they have a tailgating scene or whatever. Right. There's no big college in Green Bay. Like there, it's really the pro. It's like the the pro team is functionally the college team for the way it sort of takes over the town, the city's identity. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, that's what happens for these big colleges. Is these colleges are the ones with the biggest, like the richest tailgating tradition, are where the college team is the pro team in that region. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's why like the university of Washington football is not, it's a biggish deal in Seattle, but you know, the number of people who live here who are big Husky fans is definitely smaller than the number of people who are Seahawks fans because people take on the sport, the pro franchises of places they move in a way that they don't with colleges or they're like me. I didn't go to the university of Washington, even though I grew up here. So like, I like the Huskies fine, but it, it doesn't mean much to me whether they're good or bad in the, in a way that it does with the Seahawks. And I think that's why, you know, in, big cities generally where there might be a pro team and a big college the I can't imagine the college tailgating is as, as kind of intense as it is in a place where the college team is the biggest show in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And historically, like even you look at like the university of Georgia, like the Falcons were terrible for so long that basically <laughs> Georgia was, they still are terrible, terrible, but also they're in <laughs> Athens. They're not in Atlanta, but 45 like they're not minutes. in the same city. Right? Okay, but, but it's, I mean, it, it, I, well, I don't know. You would, I'll default to your understanding of, of like, Georgia sports well, no, politics like or whatever. In, but, Atlanta, yeah. in Atlanta, you know when the when the Bulldogs are playing is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Sorry. Like, sure. it, it feels true. like it's still, like, a very big deal for that city, which is funny because uh-huh. the team is 45 minutes away, but it's because it, they didn't have a great NFL team until really they got Michael Vick. So this turned into a football mm-hmm. podcast. But <laughs> so, <laughs> They made the Super Bowl before that, but we don't need to go through NFL history. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, no one cared. So I think <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting. But So I'm curious because we haven't gotten there yet joanna what do you when you are watching a game mm-hmm. do you have a preferred drink do you have something that you defer to is there something you would like to drink and i have to ask joanna on top of this how was your seafood tower for the uh, fantasy football draft <laughs> i've been wondering it was very good thank you yes okay. <laughs> it was good um i a, hope you get one every week a very good distraction <laughs> yeah so i i guess the times that i watch football or have watched football it's very different I, I associate it more with like fall and it being cooler out and mm-hmm. not wanting yeah. like light beer or anything and being like in my apartment or in an apartment. So um, I have a Guinness here because uh-huh. I, yeah, I feel like that this feels more appropriate or better, better than like a light beer um, or like an IPA for me and without having like a cocktail. 
Yeah, nothing says American football like an Irish beer. Yeah. Nice job, Joanna. <laughs> I don't know, no. like a, you know, like a Honestly, stout. I feel like they are the official yeah, no, sponsor of Notre Dame. Oh, they, there well, that makes go. sense. <laughs> yeah, the, Guinness is the official. They they did a very brilliant sponsorship deal, and they I did not know this was legal, but they sponsored the alumni association. Uh, so by clever. sponsoring the alumni association, they get around the fact that Notre Dame still doesn't sell beer in the stadium. And they're able to associate Guinness with the with the Fighting Irish, and it's huh. very smart. It's a smart, very smart. Very smart. Yeah. The only also, I won't I talk any like... shit about Guinness. Guinness is delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the only other thing I was thinking of was like a mold cider. Mm. Also, <laughs> also works for me. Well, also know. a good one. <laughs> I can't right. wait to hear what you guys are drinking. I'm sure you saw lots and lots of uh, you know vats of mold cider at <laughs> uh, at those Auburn games, right, Adam? Just everyone uh, chugging mold I cider. See vats and vats of mold cider. There was some cider actually, because there are people that will theme their tailgates. So like every weekend will be a different theme. So yes, and I guess like late in the season, does it get cold? Yes, are there it cold does. When it starts, okay, and, so there you go. And if there are cold games, I mean, and also you have to remember it's the South. So like if it's in the sixties, people are like, oh my god, it's a frigid <laughs> one. You know, people bust out the sweaters and they're all excited. And yes, yeah. I, I've seen mold cider, mold wine, um, mm. lot, and especially like around like the late October games when everyone's like trying to play that like it's fall fuckers game you know that's a, that, all that stuff comes out yeah i mean i used to have a friend whose mom she was like so basically when you were in high school you would like have your own tailgate but like we didn't do much right we like show up with some sand like some subway sandwiches and like, it was very rare that anyone like tried to cook and then you would bounce around to all the people's parents tailgates sure mm. and one of my friends his mom took it very 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 seriously and every single weekend was a different theme. Wow. And she wow. definitely always had mold cider. Yeah. There you go. It was I the mean, fall theme tailgate. The, the sure. NFL season goes to, I mean, February, right? So January games. So this is a cold yeah. weather sport for me. Oh, for sure. For sure. It is. Okay. Yeah. It's easy to think, forget here in the uh, early days of, or middle of September, I suppose, that, yeah. uh, yes, there will be some frigid, frigid football games soon. Yeah. All right. Very what are you guys crazy. drinking then? Because I'm wrong, apparently. No, you're not. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was just giving you a hard time because, because I can. I miss you guys. You know, oh, it's nice yeah. to have everyone back. I have the official, well, not official, but official beer of tailgating in Seattle, which is Rainier. Mm. Um, you know, it's sadly no longer actually brewed in, in Seattle, um, but you know, it's still, I think, the most ubiquitous thing I've ever, I've seen at tailgating and uh, you know, gatherings of people to watch sporting events more generally. It's like fine. I don't. I, I, I drink Rainier because it's like totally. It's fine, but I don't get that excited about it. But it seemed appropriate for this theme. So, uh, for me, actually, so when I tailgate, it's usually like a, you know, I, I will not drink liquor. Like I'm not going to make it yeah. to the game. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'll either have like a, a beer, or when I'm at home. <laughs> I drink wine because I'm easy <laughs> like that. <laughs> so if I'm like if I'm like hanging out, uh, like when I was watching Auburn this uh, this last weekend uh, on Saturday night, Naomi was like, "I'm going to bed." <laughs> I was like, "Cool," and I uh, stayed up and I had a sparkling Riesling from Michigan. What? <laughs> classic 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 pairing (laughs) and it was really delicious and i watched make sure that uh the next time you contract with the tailgate guys they make sure you you have lots of sparkling sparkling and they uh they watched my team be terrible this year they barely (laughs) barely beat a fucking group of five team uh no offense to san jose state but come on um so yeah that that was uh that was my that was 
my drink of choice. I I don't know. I I'm at the point where like I want to drink sessionably and like have a nice glass or two of something while I watch the game. I don't want to like you know, I've also never been that kind of sports fan that was like, oh, if we if we lose, I got a drink to forget about it. Or if we, mm-hmm. you know, I has never been my thing because then it's just not that much fun for me. It's not fun for anyone, really. No. On that note, very quickly, like I have also found that for me, like with with football in particular, like it's like the one sport that's actually like I don't enjoy drinking during it as much. Like I, I like we're recording this on Monday shortly before the Seahawks play their first game oh, I'm gonna go on it. Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah. A rather important game for them. From Russell a, Wilson returns a, 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 to Seattle. Yeah, a, a range of storylines. You all will know how it turns out when you hear this. Um, but for me, like, like it's like you would think that that would be like it's a Monday night game. Of course, I'll have like a beer or two or something. But like, there's something about watching football that I care about. <laughs> there's something about like the way it makes me feel that if I drink, it's just like I can't do it. It's too. I might have a beer over the course of the game, but like I used to be able to drink beer and watch football. And I don't know, as I've gotten older, it's just like the weird stress that football in particular puts me under. I just, yeah. it doesn't, you it doesn't work. Like I think I need, headed. I think I need to take up, uh, you know, marijuana as a, as a substitute. <laughs> um, Cause I think it sure. would call me more yeah. than what beer does. So, well, I'm curious for those that listen, do you have any uh, amazing tailgate memories, any places that you, um, that you yeah, invite us to your tailgates. Like, so first of all, if anyone ever wants to come see Auburn, let me know. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, I think us? Auburn's. Oh yeah, you got. You should totally come. It's great. I think Auburn. <laughs> yeah, we can, do, we best, can do a show down there. Auburn's one of the best tailgate experiences. Obviously, of the Grove, Athens is amazing. The only place that I think is like one of the most horrible places in the world to tailgate is Tuscaloosa. If you oh, ever, unbiased opinion from from Adam yeah, wow. <laughs> if you ever go to Tuscaloosa, you should turn around and go back to wherever else you were. It's a hellhole. Uh, I would never recommend T-Town to anyone. <laughs> terrible, terrible place to tell. You. We're really so is. sorry if you live there. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible <laughs> place. Um, Ann Arbor's supposed to be amazing. Bloomington I've done before. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious about the West Coast. But yeah, if you have amazing places that you have tailgated in, please let us know. And tell us you your have, tailgate drinks. Yeah, we want to know. Hook us up. Let us know what they are. <laughs> and uh, Zach and Joanne, I'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So the Vine Pair podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington in Zach Chabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire Vine Pair staff and everyone who's been involved in making Vine Pair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.